Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? Welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. And as this podcast has been going, we're mixing it up these days. You know, I really have been using this as, as any way I can provide value. That's what this podcast is really for now. So today I have a really good friend, a colleague. He's actually been on this podcast and a long time ago, and he's going to join us. We wanted to, we wanted to have a conversation about men, uh, about the experience of, of being a man about the experience of being women or partners of men. And this isn't like a pity men hour because we don't need that. But <laughs> it's actually, um, let's take a deeper look and how do we empower men? Look, if we look at the world, it's not going well for all of us and it's not going well for men. And often men aren't doing anything to have that narrative change. So we want to talk about this. We're going to dive in from some different angles. And uh, one of the things in that inspired this is we are, we have created the Alchemy of Men Retreat. You may have heard me talk about this. You may have seen it on social media. If you go to thedreammason.com slash alchemy of men, you can find out more about the Alchemy of Men Retreat, which is happening in October from the 27th until the 30th. It's in Idaho on like 50 acres in what, like a cabin meets a mansion. It is going to be epic um it is going to change what the experience of being a man is like for the men that attend that that attend and for the people that are important to them um let me have my guest bob conlin bob what's up man i want i want you to just tell people who you are uh and then just quickly tell us how excited you are about this retreat yeah sure man so good to be here again yeah i think it's been like god three or four years i think awesome. we were just like babies we barely knew each other <laughs> back then we were trying to like you know figure who each other were out uh but yeah it's good to be here and good to be with you and um yeah so my name is bob Coblin. i am a, a life love leadership coach i'm a professional certified coach with the international coach federation i'm an author uh father that's the big job there the father uh husband to an incredible powerful beautiful gorgeous woman and um yeah. You know, I serve on a couple of nonprofits. I love leadership. I love challenging myself. I love getting uncomfortable in service of my own growth. The uh, things that I'm committed to in life uh, is really just to make a difference for other people and to help them achieve the success they know that they're capable of achieving and learning to grow and love and learn all along the way. So yeah, man, this retreat, dude, I'm so, I'm so pumped for it. You know, it's so cool to have an idea and then put small things in place to have it realized and then it's it's happening 
right? It's like literally unfolding before our eyes. And the thing, the thing I'm most present to is, is saying yes to something before you know the how, or being a hundred percent effing committed to something before you know the how or how it's going to look or whatever, you know? And I think that's the cool thing that happened in our partnership was like, we were a total yes for this experience, not knowing where it was going to be, not knowing what it was going to look like, and just taking small daily actions essentially and um, bringing this thing to life. You know, and I think, you know, I think back, like if I had something like this container, like something like this retreat's going to be like five, 10, 15, hell, 30 years ago, it would have so supported me in my, in my own growth and development. Like no one taught me what it was to be a man. No one, that conversation wasn't happening. My father died when I was very young. I was raised by my mother. Um, you know, I had a, a pretty much an absent brother in the household and like I learned basically on my own, I learned from the neighborhood kids, you know, what it means to be a man. And that was like, oh, you got to smoke and you got to listen to heavy metal and that's how you're cool. And that's how you become a man. And um, while it was fun, it didn't really support, you know, my, my growth and really understanding. And I think um, now, you know, as a father, it's, it's even more critical and more important to me to be able to teach my son you know, that he gets to define what that means for him. And, you know, he has an older man in his life that's going to help support him in discovering what that is. I love that you just brought the yes. Well, there's a few things you brought, but the yes before how I want to talk about first, because I don't know about you, and I, I actually do know, because we talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. We hear this constantly. People are like, well, I have to figure this out before I do that, or I have to make that money before I can do that. Or I have to get in shape before I do that. Or I have to like, it, there's always these like made up obstacles that we decide have to come before the things that we want. And this retreat exists and our businesses exist, our relationship, our relationships with our partners exist because we luckily were, we're luckily and open to changing our lives and, and mm -hmm. getting support. But we said yes to the idea of no, you actually have to choose the thing that you want, and then you figure out the how. You don't, the, the how thing just stops us, right? If you and I were trying to figure out how we're going to do this, then we're like, oh man, the house costs this much money. The chef costs this much money, blah, blah, blah. We're just going to get stuck in all those challenging things, and then we give up. But yep. what did we do? We were like, all right, let's take a moment in time and just envision what this idea is. So we took a couple of weeks and we basically dreamt up and did some research, right? We didn't just like make it all up in our head. We did some research. We, we brainstormed, we talked to people we knew, we looked at our clients that are men and then we're like, all right, this is what we're doing. And then we booked a house, we set the dates and now we got to figure out all the logistics, all the people. And the funny thing is once we booked the house and set the dates, it was like everything Boom, four oh, people were in in like yeah, two days. Yeah, people were in immediately. People want to be in. Chefs want to work with it. Like all the things just find a way to work out. And I'm not saying that every step of the way there will be challenges, but it all makes it possible. If we, and we could do this with anything. I, I often use with my, with my clients, the idea of like an iPhone. Steve Jobs had this, like, we're going to make this thing. When he originally said it, they didn't know how. They didn't have it mm. all figured out. They, but he had to like hold up this vision and go, we're going to make this thing and everybody and by, we're going to make it by this date. And then everybody got on board with now we got to figure out how to do it. Now we got to figure out how to source the material, how we make the technology, how we're going to sell it, how we're going to market it. 
but that all came because they they decided to do something first. Right. Um, and that, and that's that that's like a radical <clears throat> a radical way of approaching anything. Like we're not taught that or we don't learn it that way. We have to like play it safe. We have to mitigate risk. We have to like fix, manage and control the whole process so nothing bad can happen or that, you know, we're going to make sure that the outcome is achieved and it's there's so much less potential and possibility and like you said from that place, we ha- like we tend to give up quite a bit because we'll never have it figured out or have it completely safe or have it make sense, right? It's mm-hmm. it's sticking with the vision and the choice to decide that you actually want to create this experience. And I think like how did so how did we get there? Right? How did we learn that that's a way that you could approach something is actually commit first, then figure it out. Like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of radical, man. <laughs> you know, and. Mm-hmm. A little crazy we were, too, right? Because you have to step into something. Right. And in a way, it's like love, right? You have to actually be willing to get your heart broken or get totally crushed, right? We The same thing, by saying yes, you, you're actually being braver and more courageous because you're stepping into something and you could totally get your butt kicked. But the other way, you don't, you might not ever get your butt kicked. You might never get your heart broken. You might never fail or lose, but you actually probably never make anything happen because you're actually not willing to step over that imaginary line. Right. You'll, you'll actually never get the thing that you yearn for that you actually want. So you have like a really average, basic life, which is fine. <laughs> you know, but like it's fine. You know, but that's, that's the way it's fine. That is, is it's just, yeah. and I don't think any of us think about that. And how often do we say, fine? Oh, how are you? I'm fine. We don't think about at the end of your life, sure, would you be happier saying I had a terrible life or a fine life? Yes. But I don't think anybody, nobody wants to have a terrible life. And I don't mm. think anyone's lying on their deathbed thinking, man, I had a fine life. It's just not, or my marriage was fine. That's yeah. fucking horrible. Yeah. You know, my, I, I did fine financially. I did fine. You know, my health was fine. Like it just, fine is, we, we've almost been brainwashed to think fine is actually totally acceptable. And in reality, it's pretty unacceptable. And, and here's the reason why I would say it's unacceptable. You wouldn't want it for your kid. You just had a, you just had a son, yep. not just, but like he's a year old and two, two, bro. Two. Oh man. Um, I've never met him. Uh, well, he's been you know, born during a pandemic time. Um, but if you imagine that your son just had a fine life, Right. Like it could be, things could be worse, but that's not what you want for your kid. And I don't think that's what anybody wants for their kid. No, it's why, like hard. Why, it's yeah. heartbreaking to even think about it like that. Yeah. You know, but why is it okay for us to have it for ourselves? Right. Yeah. The know. martyr. Right. Um, <clears throat> there's this, uh, there's this palliative care nurse that's a nurse that supports people at end of life. And she took the top five themes that her patients would share about their lives that they wish that they had, you know, a changeover, right? That they wish they could have done something more while they had the chance, while they're still living. Number one is they wish they had the courage to live true to themselves and not the lives that were expected of me. Second one is they wish they hadn't worked so hard. Third is they wish they had the courage to express their feelings. The fourth is they wish they had stayed in touch with their friends. And the fifth one is they wish they would have let themselves be happier. Wow. It's literally all the things that these are all the reasons why we actually basically decided to really? create this retreat, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Different conversation. Yes. Oh my God. The thing that you said before 
that I, another thing that I wanted to come back to, um, oh, the, the, how we learned how to become men. Mm -hmm. I want to be really clear. You and I don't know how to become men. We don't have the secret, you know, it's not like we're, this is like Morpheus, you know, and Neo sitting here and we're Morpheus and we're like, here's the pill. You're going to be a man. Absolutely not. But I think we also recognize that's part of the problem inside of especially inside of the male structure is there somebody out there telling you how you should be a man how you yep. shouldn't be a man how men are toxic how men are weak how men are patriarchal how men are violent how men are soft right there's there's i'm saying all the different things and ultimately what we you and i really believe is you get to be a man however you want to be a man now here's the catch that this is our job is to have you look at is that working for you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're like this domineering, angry guy and that's who you wanna be, then I'm nobody to tell you that you shouldn't be like that. But when, you're, when you have cancer and you're unhappy and you have no connections and you're miserable, well, there's a, you shouldn't be all that surprised. You were domineering and you were an asshole. So if, if the men that we really are talking to are men that are going, that I think we're like you and I, right? I, I call myself a recovering asshole for a reason, mm -hmm. right? I recognize, I was an asshole and there wasn't anything specifically wrong with it, except I got to a place where I was like, wow, this isn't working for me. I'm unhappy. I'm not satisfied. I'm working too hard. I'm taking my feelings essentially only out as like a jerk, basically on people. I'm taking advantage of people and using them for my selfish needs and realizing, wow, at the end of my days, I'm going to be like one of these people that you just talked about where I'm going to be on my deathbed going. I wish I had had better relationships and better connections. I wish yeah. I had been like more generous and nicer. I wish I wasn't so bitter and I had more fun. So, so I, I think it's so important that it's people understand it's not, whether it be about what we're doing, it's not, we're not telling anybody how to be men and we're not on here as a podcast telling people how they should be men. We want people to realize like, is the way you're being a man working for you? Is it working for your family? Is it working for your, your kids, whether you have them or will have them? Is it working for your business? I know you know men, and I do too, that are like, their they're way they are as men is like not confident, or maybe they're, oh, they're arrogant. So then their people that work for them are like, fuck this guy. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not working in their business. Is it, and is it working, which I think you and I ask a lot, is it working for who we wanna be in the world? Right. If you don't like the way the world looks, well then it's up to you to actually be different, right? We're not saying you have to go change everything, but if you don't actually act in a way that you want the world to look, then stop complaining about the way the world looks. You're part of the breakdown that's causing it to be the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. By, by sitting idly by, right. Well, and participating right in it. If you're a jerk, yeah, yeah. you're participating in why everybody's treating them is each other like jerks. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, certainly my own journey, like it, I didn't know that it's like, I didn't know what I didn't know for one. And like, I didn't actually know how unfulfilled I was in my life because I was going off of all the things I learned and what was supposed to make me happy and, and feel successful and feel fulfilled. And I remember when I got to the point to where <clears throat> I, I achieved like the height in my corporate career I wanted to achieve. I finally got this, this, you know, this director position and I was getting groomed for the VP position and I was like, you know, jumping right into the C-suite. And I remember when I finally got the promotion, I was like a few days later and I was like, oh man, is this all there is? And I didn't know what other conversations were available to me at that time. 
you know, I was just like, oh, I just got to work harder. Uh, you know, I just yeah. got to get a hotter girlfriend or buy a cooler car. Like that's, that's where, mm-hmm. and my, my girlfriend was really hot at the time, but like there was, <laughs> there was like all this, I just went right back into the same yeah. matrix, right? Like this is what I need to do more. And like, I had this moment of realization is like, I don't know where to turn next. And I think like with the absence of, of powerful male mentors, role models, coaches in a young man's life, like they don't know where to turn. They don't know what other questions they can ask or who, or how they can challenge themselves and who they get to be, or, or even dare to dream what's actually possible. And those are vulnerable, scary conversations to be in that again, we're taught not to be in, right. Cause that's weakness. And, um, you, you know, I think it's, we're, we're doing where, I don't know who, who we are, society, other men, like we're doing a huge disservice to our boys by not, um, bringing different conversations to them. Like the ones that we're going to be bringing in the alchemy of men retreat. <laughs> um, <laughs> you made me think about how, I don't know. I, I mean, I was doing pretty well in the hospitality business. You know, I, I, I was. 30 years old or 32 years old. And I think I'd opened up over 15 restaurants and I was, you know, I was a director of operations for a multi-million dollar restaurant group. Um, but I was like every day coming home from work being like, fuck this. I hate my fucking job. And there were, it doesn't, there were moments that I liked, right. There were moments with humans that I liked interacting mm-hmm. with and there were things, but for the most part, I was like annoyed and frustrated. It seemed like there were always more problems. I could never get out of that. And and for a long time, the answer like yours was, well, I'm going to drink. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to drink to essentially like check out and, and like have fun. Or I'm going to go try to sleep with a hotter girl to make me feel good about myself. But then I was like, wow, I'm kind of a piece of shit. Cause I'm like using this person. And then, you know, and like, and if I got the hotter girl, if I was like with them, then it was like, oh, that lasted. It's like almost like a drug, right? It was great until it wore off. And then I was like, well, this is just normal now. So now I need a new, you need like more of that drug. And, you know, and, and I think like I had, my dad was there and it wasn't like my dad didn't know how to teach me how to be a man. But I think like generally, generationally, like my dad's dad wasn't there as a strong dad. He was an alcoholic. He gambled. Who's violent. Yeah. Well, so then my dad learned from that. And mm-hmm. then while my dad was way better than that, like way better, he still didn't have like he made it up as he went along. And I think, right? And no one ever checked him. Nobody, nobody ever was like, hey, is this working for you? Are you happy? You know, are you happy to work as hard as you're working and be like so stressed out and exhausted and and like literally like burning it, burning the candle at both ends. Um and nobody, something I've noticed lately is like when we have conversations and, and a few other men in my life, no one actually takes the conversation to that next level. Mm-hmm. So if I were, if it were me, let's say I were my dad in that situation and I were with someone like you, it's like, he's saying something like, oh man, I'm, I'm like so frustrated with my business or I'm like tired. I'm like working all the fucking time. I'm working so hard. I can't seem to get ahead. And I think typically male conversation, like what would typical male conversation, like if you're my friend, what do you say back to me? Yeah. You're like, well, you just got to work harder, you know, or, 
um quit being such a pussy <laughs> or let's get a drink yeah fuck, suck it up fucking drink or, yeah man it's all gonna work out let's just go let's go grab some drinks hey let's go catch the game like it's yeah. like shove it down push it away don't mm -hmm. be with it yeah yep um and i think and then okay let's let's flip it and say like now in our conversation like what would you say to me i'm saying that how would you take that deeper how is my friend being conscious how would you take that conversation to a deeper level i mean I, i'd get like way more curious i you know i'd be like you know what's that experience like for you what are you feeling what's coming up um you know i'd I, i'd just be getting more curious i would try to get into him yeah <laughs> sounds weird but get get <laughs> you know get into his way of like his view to really understand what's going on and see you know what's the support he actually needs and then I, that might be a question to ask him like well what do you need man you know what do you need yeah, and I think like even as friends, right, not as, it's not like as you have to be a coach to do this. I was sitting with a guy that I know the other, uh, a really good guy that I know the other day and we were, we were having dinner and I was, he's from another country and I was asking him about his childhood and he was like telling me about it, how like his experience and he grew up, he basically lived in like a one studio apartment with his whole family until he was like 16 years old and, and it wasn't like some amazing studio apartment, right? This was like, and he's sharing this experience with me. And then he's sharing with me his dad's experience of trying to make money and getting them out of that situation. I was like, were you mad at your dad, right? That he put you in that situation and how's your guy's relationship now? And we, and we kind of went down that road and we talked about him, you know, building a business with his dad now. And at the end of the conversation, both of us were like, man, it's so like, I felt like I knew him, like I could see yeah. him. And I also, on the other side, it also made me feel really really grateful for my dad and really lucky that like the privilege that I had, that I didn't actually have that experience. Like I'd never thought about because we don't go that deep. So we're like, Oh, that person had it rough. That sucks. Mm -hmm. But we don't usually get to that level of empathy where we're like, Oh my God, I don't know if I would have, who would I be if I had to grow up like that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I think it, it just really, I don't know if the word is robs, but you just don't get that like experience of being like human. Like you have a whole range of emotion, a whole spectrum of feelings. And there's, there's so much that gets tampered down or pushed down that it just like robs you of like having a normal experience where like, you know, then it's like, it's, it's wrong that you're feeling this way or why are you feeling this way or suck it up, man, you know, work harder, like whatever it is, like, I started to internalize that experience on myself. Like there must be something wrong with me or I'm weak. I must be soft or, you know, and, and that thought is what also isolated me from other men. Like I was, it was more uncomfortable to be in a room full of men than a room full of women for me, like gorgeous women, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's funny. Cause I, so I didn't feel it wasn't like from a lack of. I avoided men often. So aside from maybe looking for girls and drinking mm -hmm. and playing video games or watching sports, I would essentially avoid men because like I was over the conversation, the same conversation a million times. How many times are we going to talk about the thing that played on ESPN 740 times that you watched on repeat? Yeah. yeah. How many times are we going to talk about how much we like don't like our job or how we should make more money or a type of car. There's nothing wrong with ESPN or sports or cars, but it, 
it's funny how ESPN for not so much anymore. There's a lot more, but remember ESPN used to play just on like on a loop. They did like one yeah, in the morning yeah. and a night and then it would just play on a loop. Yep. I feel like that's how my conversations often with men were in life. Just this like loop of who are you? What girl are you chasing after? Like, how are you going to get her? What, you know, how are you going to try to make more money or complain about your situation? Let's talk about sports and argue about something that, we have no control over and makes no yep. difference in our own life. Yep. And so I actually would avoid men because I just like didn't know how, I actually didn't know how to take the conversation further. I think I was afraid, right? To men to be like, you're like a pussy or mm -hmm. that's gay or whatever, right? Dudes would say. I think so. I think there was fear, but I also just didn't know how. I didn't know how to, to ask the right questions to go further. Where with women, that's just part of what they do, right? They're just doing that all the time. So if you're with them and you're willing, they'll ask you the question and you get to like share and open up. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, in, in the groups I would like hang with, like, you know, I was like, Bob is such a great guy. God, he's so open and honest and vulnerable. <laughs> He'll share it. You know, I was like this, a meet, you know, this uh, like unicorn, like this magical man. I was like, no, this is actually just way more comfortable yeah. talking about this stuff than, you, you know, being a, like I said, a room full of guys, like trying to have a conversation about sports, you know, it's like, it just didn't work for me. And I, I think, um, one of the, the big kind of turnarounds for me was, um, at actually, you know, and this, this is another thing I think that happens too, is like men are unwilling to change unless something dramatic and drastic and tragic happens, um, that they will not, they will only then get into a new conversation about their lives and about who they get to be as men. And for me, that was, um, hitting my utter bottom, getting fired from my job for my drug and alcohol use. And, you know, my career at that point had been every single thing I put all of who I am into. And here it was, you know, ripped from me based on my, on my actions and my behavior. And, the, but the, the goal, the thing that happened in that process for me was I actually started having real conversations. I actually started having conversations that matter and that required a level of honesty and vulnerability that I had never stepped into before. But like, I had to now because that was the only way I was going to get better. It was the only way I was going to start my healing journey. It was the only way I was going to stay sober. And, um, you know, it was, you know, I think about, man, if someone taught me how to like actually share what was going on with me, if someone taught me how to be honest and be vulnerable before that happened, you know, I probably wouldn't have gotten as sick and as addicted to drugs and alcohol that I did. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I wrote, when I wrote my book, Fictional Authenticity, one of the things I talked about is I felt really lucky that I got to choose it. Like nothing bad happened mm. that I totally could see that in life, life doesn't allow us to just stay still and stuck and comfortable, whether it's good or bad or otherwise it it's, there's constantly showing us doors. And I think sometimes and a lot of times you and I interact with men who are, we offer them a door. Nothing bad's happened, right? Everything's fine. Their job is fine. Their relationship's fine. Maybe they're, you know, there's a guy that I know who's like, ah, oh, it's not that bad. That's literally his response to his life currently is it's not that bad. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's not for me to be like, boy, you know, when you find out something bad happens and you're going to want to change, you don't get all that time back. But, 
I think that like, I felt really lucky that I just had a moment where I went, oh my God, my life isn't working for me. I got to change it. I got to do something. Yeah. But I do think that if I hadn't taken that door when it was there, I probably would have like hit somebody with my car drinking and driving. I probably would have gotten married and like cheated and blown up my family, mm -hmm. maybe really damaged some kids. Um, maybe I like, I don't know, maybe I would have gotten fired from a job for like sleeping with the wrong person I shouldn't have slept with. Maybe I would have got like a harassment claim. You know, all these decisions I was making, right? Where yeah. they hadn't created a problem yet, but I think that at some point they They're would coming. have. Oh yeah. Luck, right. I, I changed something before that. And I think that, you know, the men that we work with are, are conscious of this. I want to take this right to like the female conversation too, because you and I have been having, you and I have been talking to a lot of women lately who either through our partners or just through our, our worlds that are like wishing their men would say yes to a different possibility or different yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was I was like blown away by it. You know, we when we started talking about doing this retreat, like I, I just had the realization this morning. I was like, man, I've heard from more women about this thing than I've heard from men. And and you know, when I think about like the men that I do end up working with, um, the the difference or the thing that's actually available to them is that they they're they're like a yes to a new experience and whatever got them there great but they they got there right and they're convinced or they're present to like man i could be a better business owner i could make you know more money from an empowered place i could be a better leader a better father a better husband and i'm committed to doing that right and there's other guys i talk to and they're just like yeah but i'm like Listen, bro, like I shouldn't have to convince you that you can have an extraordinary life. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you that. You should fucking want that. You should want to be the best version of you for your relationships, for your career, your impact. Like, I'm not here to fucking sell you that. I'm here to like show you a way to get there. And like, why does everyone else that you love around you want that for you? And you're over here like, yeah, but you know, it's just, it's like, you know, if you could send some of the energy in it, it's like, it's just heartbreaking, man. It's like, just say yes to you. Yeah. Say yes to you one time. See what happens. Yeah. Oh, we've, I was, uh, so I was just in New York and, um, Evan and I were, were in New York for a wedding. And then Evan has a lot of clients that are mm -hmm. women that some of she's met, some she's never met that were in New York city. And so they did a dinner and. So Evan went and did this dinner with all her clients. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna have like a man, you know, my man, I'm gonna go eat like a bunch of meat and greasy food and drink a bunch of whiskey. And so, you know, she went and did her very like important business thing. And I went and found a really good restaurant and, and did that. Yep. And at the end we were gonna, you know, she was gonna leave, we were gonna meet up. And she's like, you should come. I would love for these, you know, they all, they all know our story. They followed on social media. You should come meet up with us. So I'm like, okay. And now I've had, I've had a, a, a decent amount of drinks and, um, and we should even preface this. Like I have a very, I have a very clear and intentional relationship with alcohol. It's like very on purpose. Now I know I'm not driving. Right. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm having, it's almost like a, 
I don't want to relate it to like plant medicine, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to have this experience just like I'm going to go on a roller coaster or I'm going to watch a movie. Like this is my experience of the night that I'm choosing in an, from an empowered place and I'm not going to make any decisions based on it that are going to sabotage or screw up my life, right? So, so I go and I'm like, I'm feeling really good and I'm very loose and I walk into this room full of all of these women. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting to actually get into some deep conversations. I thought I was going to show up, say hi, meet everyone, you know, and me and Evan would bounce and, and leave. And they so wanted to talk to me about their men mm -hmm. and why they spend time like working on themselves, developing themselves, improving themselves. And that like they love their men. They're not saying that they need to or there's anything wrong. But the things that they shared were, were, you know, one guy was this woman shared with me that he like broke down in tears with her and he would never do this with anyone else that he's like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Mm. I should have more money. I should have bought like more properties. I should be more successful. And she's sharing this with me and telling me about his, how like, this is like a tough New York city, you know, like a, like a real East coast dude. And he's like doing this in private. And I was like, do you know how emasculating it is for him to feel like that? I've, I've been there, but like, I'm not good enough. I haven't made enough. I can't provide for you. I can't. And like, that was one. There was another where this one, one, one was like, he just doesn't take care of himself. It's just like work, work, work. So he like, doesn't feel good. He's not happy with the way he looks like in his body. He, he never is like getting enough money. Cause that, that bark, that like the, the end zone keeps moving the closer he gets to it. Um, there were other ones that shared, like they, the men don't know how to talk, not like literally know how to talk, but the men will come home from work and they just like want to put on the TV or want to put on sports and they don't know how to share like how their day was. They don't know how to answer questions. And the women just feel like they're kind of like in a relationship with, with like this, this guy they fell in love with who they love, but is almost like the shell of who he really is. And they know that who he really is, is in there, but like, it just doesn't know how to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Dude. I had like five of those conversations last week, you know, with, with like women or couples. And it's like, it's such a stereotypical, like dude, who's just like unfulfilled, bored, resentful, angry, probably sad. Right. And it's like, dude multiply that by another year or five years, 10 years, 20 years. Like, is this what the, like, is this the life that you want to live? Like whatever you're waiting for to happen outside of you to fix all this isn't coming. It's in, it's an inside job, man. And it's like, I think it's just the, the settling of it. Right. Which is like heartbreaking or like the top, I mean, the, the better words, tolerating it. What has you tolerate that man? Yeah. You know, like this is, you know, this is why we've got, you know, men addicted to crap. We got men like, you know, can't put down a video game controller, addicted to porn, drinking and doing drugs too much, cheating on their wives. Like this is why, you know, this is why they're numbing out and checking out because they can't be with how fucking miserable they are and unwilling to change. I think something too that's important is like, you don't have to give up those things. Right. We have to change our relationship. So if you're a man and you're listening to this or you're someone who wants to share this with men, it's like, he doesn't have to stop playing video games. Like I just shared, you don't even have to stop drinking or doing drugs. Or watching porn. <laughs> but, but, we're, but you get to decide from a new place mm -hmm. of, is this working for me? 
right? That the way I used to deal with alcohol was actually not working for me. It was very irresponsible. It was on the cusp of causing a lot of damage to myself and others. The way I used to be with women was fun, but it was on the cusp of causing problems in my life. Mm -hmm. And potentially as my life got, you know, as I got a family, it would be even more. And I think the same goes for like, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, men think there's this fear that they're going to have to like give something up. Yeah. And what I, what I really would love for men to see is like, you can have all of it. And that's actually what we want for you. Like when a man comes to me and he shares with me how he's miserable or upset or tired, or doesn't have, you know, he's burned out. He's not connecting with his family. And he's like, but I make all this money and I've worked so hard to get here. And I'm like, We're, we don't need to take $1 away from you. The thing is, it's kind of like you're driving a car with like, that has four tires, but like only one tire is like fully actually full of air. It's working so hard. It's dragging the other three tires around, but it's creating sparks and flames and there's the rubbers melting on the road and leaving tracks. We, that tire is going to stay exactly the way it is. And, but the thing is when the other three tires get empowered, your health, your family, your communication, your emotions, your spirituality, that first tire has to use so much less energy mm -hmm. and, it, and the whole car gets to go faster. And I, I find that that's the surprising thing that happens with men that work with us is they're so afraid of the thing they're going to have to give up, which right. has them neglect all the other and tolerate all the other areas when that thing will become supercharged when they actually give attention to those other areas. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, you know, I think in any new, new way of being, new choice, new commitment, I, I think the, the standard thing is a focus on what you're going to lose from it. Like, you know, what's going to be taken away from me if I open up more vulnerably, if I share, or, you know, if I get, take care of, you know, myself in a better way, like, and we get to actually, you know, and, and I flip it like, well, what is there to actually gain? You know, what's there to gain if you were able to open up more vulnerably to other men in your life? share what's actually going on, share with your partner who's like begging for some freaking intimacy with you. Um, you, you know, what's actually available? What's actually available if you um, start taking better care of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Like what's available to you, right? Who do you get to be as a man, as a leader, as a partner, as, as a father? Like the version of you that's available to you is on the other side of that, right? Is on the other side of focusing on what you're going to gain versus what you're going to lose. You know, there's a consequence to every choice. And does that consequence support the experience of life that you actually want? Or is it just, is it more of the same? You know, and I think Alex and I, you know, have created this retreat um, to be in a different conversation about all of this, about what it means to be a man, about what you actually want in your life, getting responsible for what's in the way where you're contributing to um, the breakdowns in your life that are actually preventing you from the experience that you want. And, um, you're creating experience of not being alone in this. I think we, so, so many of us suffer from lone wolf syndrome where, where it's easier to go alone versus go together. And what's that saying? Like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, go together. And it's so apropos, you know, the brotherhood that's going to get created from this experience and it's already getting created is just extraordinary. Yeah, I, I think too, the, the way we're playing with this, we, we can wrap up this, this conversation. Yeah. Um, was really spawned out of, you know, there's a lot of men who 
would never go on a men's retreat. There's a lot of men who would never go to a men's circle. Yeah. A lot of men that would never go like do a lot of these things, but they do want connection with other men. They do want like better friendships. They do want deeper. Maybe they don't need new friendships, but they want to go deeper with the men in their lives, whether they be their friends or their dads or their uncles or their cousins. Um, and we like all these things we've talked about, the fulfillment, the joy, the lack of stress, the peace, the ease, um, they're like having a life that you really like living and you enjoy living and you're not settling or saying or calling fine or tolerating. A lot of what we're doing here, I, I've said this a lot. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've said this to you is, is there's a joke that's I'm kind of like, this is the retreat for men who wouldn't normally go on a men's retreat. Totally. And totally. And one of the things that you and I are really doing is like calling each other out in different ways of like, well, why are we doing that? Or why would we do that? Or why can't we do that? Um, and also looking at the cheesiness or the contriveness of some of the things we see. We're not, again, there's nothing, we're not judging anyone else. We're not saying any of the things from the things people are doing to not doing our bad or good. But what we just notice is there's not one way. There's a lot of different ways. Yep. And we're creating something here that's a new and different way. And if you want to go on that journey with us, or you're not sure and you're curious, well, we'll give you our time absolutely for like for free with no strings attached to talk to you about it yeah. that is i know that's something you're committed to and something i'm committed to often people are like but a coach is so much money or this retreat is so much money well i'm saying it right here it's being recorded we will talk to you for free without and even if you said to us i'm not coming on your retreat and i'm not gonna hire you we'll still talk to you for free yeah because we think i hear one thing that changes your life yeah you and know? somebody did it for us Yep. And we're here now, not because somebody took our money, but because somebody was willing to have a conversation with us in a way that no one ever had before. Yep. So anything you want to say before we wrap this episode up? No, man, it's good chat. And we should, we should do this more often. And, um, you know, like Elk said, like invitations open, brother, all you gotta do is, you know, reach your hand out. We'll, we'll reach right back out and, um, you know, keep a conversation that matters, uh, going. You do love holding hands with men. I've noticed that about you. Yeah. That's part of the retreat. We hold hands the entire time. <laughs> Maybe we actually handcuff you to another participant. Yeah. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. It might be a cool idea, though. There's probably lots of breakthroughs in that. I'm like, who, who's signing up right now because of that? They're like, I want that. <laughs> um, if, if you're interested or curious, um, you can go to thedreammason.com slash alchemy of men. You can also, Bob, what's your website? Uh, conlincoaching.com, C-O-N-L-I-N coaching.com. You can go there to find more about Bob. Um, what's your email? What's your Instagram and your email? Uh, Instagram is uh, at relationship underscore alchemist. And uh, my email is bob at conlincoaching.com. And I am Alex at alex at thedreammason.com at inspirational Alex on Instagram. And we're here. We're happy to have the conversation. If you're listening to this and this is so not for you, maybe there's somebody that it is for. Totally. Pass it on, please. Yeah. Pass it on, share. Um, even if it's only a moment or a segment that we talked about, uh, we're grateful for you listening. Thanks for being here. Bob, thanks for being here on the Dream Mason podcast uh, for probably the third or fourth time. Um, dude, I'm so psyched about this. I'm so psyched to just keep doing this work. I avoided doing like coding men's work for a really long time. And it's funny. The thing I avoided is the thing I'm like having so much fun doing.
Totally, dude. I, I, I made a declaration six years ago that I'll be a force in this space. And I re- spent the last five years resisting the hell out of it because I was terrified. And like, here we are making it happen. I fucking love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is another episode of the Drew Mason podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.